Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can find me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can find me at Dan Urban MMA. You can also follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to us. And if you're able to rate us, please give us the best review you can. Maybe five stars, whatever's the best. And as always, we're going to talk about judging in MMA, so you should read up on the criteria, which can be found at abcboxing.com. You know, Dan, another thing I want to mention real quick before we dive right in is uh, that I have gotten back to my very long-term project of trying to collect uh, data on round scores. All right. So if there are any judges who are listening to this with uh, well-kept notes, uh, as far as scores you've given out, scores that were given out in, ra- in fights that you're aware of, uh, and and things of that nature, assignments, what have you, you know, UFC, PFL, Bellator, you know, Cage Warriors, KSW, anywhere that uses the uh, the ABC criteria, I'm happy to take anything you'd be willing to offer, and you can reach out to me on DMs on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana, or even by email Scott R Fontana at gmail.com yeah scott's building quite the database so uh, if we can help him out a little bit that'd be great i'll take anything that uh that anyone's willing to help me out with just you know make make sure uh, i can verify who you are i'm not gonna take it from any schmo you know i'll give you some scores yeah we got i don't know whatever you want i'll I'll just make it up for you you're not very helpful (laughs) all right psa is over let's let's dive in we you know obviously we had the big uh heavyweight matchup over the weekend at uh, at UFC Apex, Derek Lewis getting the the big odds on upset yeah. over Curtis Blades. I actually found it crazy that Curtis Blades has never been the underdog in any. Yeah, fights. that blew me away. I couldn't believe that he was favored against Francis Ngannou both times. Like, I mean, maybe early the first in their time for careers sure. when they faced each other. Okay, you never know. But that second time, uh, I mean, I don't remember what my mindset was at. I know that Ngannou was kind of in a rough patch, but I mean, shoot. <laughs> already beaten him once. I felt like I could have seen it again. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, that Derek Wild. Lewis has some crazy power. Oh, he does. I mean, it's a, it's such an equalizer because he was losing that fight in the first round. He lost on, on uh, all three scorecards in round one, 10-9. It was because of the striking. It wasn't, you know, the wrestling was not working. Right, but before Blades got anything offensive, he ate a big shot in that first round. And it, it kind of surprised Early on, absolutely. Kind of surprised me he didn't just immediately switch to wrestling after that. You know, I don't think just from speaking with Curtis Blades last week and hearing everything that he said, uh, you know, outside of the conversation he and I had, you really do get the sense that he he wants to wrestle. He really does want to wrestle. But if it's not working, he does actually feel confident enough in his hands. Like he he's gotten to the point where he's he doesn't think of himself as someone who can't do anything but you know wrestle. It's just he knows where his bread is buttered. Typically, well, he showed. In I the think first the round. I think the win over Junior Dos Santos really emboldened him i get that sense okay. i mean his leg kicks were really good they were they were excellent kicks yeah i mean everything landed with with a lot of power there um but yeah obviously he was basically winning that fight until the very moment he wasn't when he goes in for that you know kind of shoddy takedown he doesn't set up very well and and you know credit to Derek lewis and and i should say that uh i think elias cepeda uh on twitter the uh the the writer he pointed out very well that i saw that uh Basically, he Derek Lewis recognized what was going on. That that was not just some sort of accidental. Oh no, uppercut. I mean, he knew he timed it and he nailed it. He definitely drilled that. And he was out like I knew he was out 
Curtis Blades before he hit the mat. He like he, I don't I don't know that I knew he was out. You know the moment it landed, but it, it sure looked like he kind of just stopped moving. But I didn't know he was out completely. I definitely thought he was hurt. But once, he, yeah, what, he looked badly hurt. But then, like by the time you see him fall and the way yeah. he's falling, you're like, oh, this dude's out. That's it. It's and, over. And, and you got Herb Dean who has to sprint in from you know from the position he was in. Now some people are saying, you know, was was Herb Dean out of position? Was he not? You know. I look at that and I say, wow, you're pretty far away. But at the same time, there is a school of thought that this is where referees need to be. I mean, they, they can't just be right there in the middle of the action, especially with heavy blows coming from these guys, you know? Well, yeah, that I think he was fine. Uh, just a lot of ground to cover. And he was behind the punch, so he does, he's not seeing Blades' face. Doesn't know that he's out until he lands, obviously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, it's, it's a tough thing. You know, I I think a lot of people who were jumping on Herb for this one, I don't think it was quite warranted. Uh, in this case, it it really stinks to see. And I believe they said on the broadcast that, or, or maybe it was you who said this. Did you say that this was said uh, by Mark Smith? Right, right. On Joe Rogan yeah, podcast. Yeah. Uh, Mark Smith said, you got to make sure you don't get caught stuck in a position where you're in danger. And now the fighters have to fight around you. So like if you get stuck against a cage panel where and they're fighting right in front of you and there's no escape for you. So you got to leave yourself out and he also mentioned in his pre-fighter meetings, he tells the fighter, yeah, this listen, this is what I was waiting for. He 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 tells the fighters that, hey, you know, go until I say stop, but if you know the guy is out, you know, be a human and and just stop. But Yeah. And that when when you mentioned that cuz I have I still have to go listen to that. I don't listen to the Joe Rogan uh podcasts i don't really listen to any other podcasts except my own listen to this one <laughs> well, it's true i'm just not a podcast guy it's funny that i do one but um that's why i waited so long probably but yeah i think there's some truth to that like really like you got to have a little bit of mercy for a fellow human being here because like it, you can look at curtis blades and you know he's out however at the same time these guys have a lot of adrenaline running in them and we've seen people get up before so it's a it's a tough thing. Like I I don't fault Derek Lewis. I don't fault Herb Dean. It's just one of those unfortunate situations. Yeah, it was just a a bad situation. And Derek Lewis said, I mean, you're going through the attitude era again. He's saying, I don't know if he's going to sit up like the Undertaker. Yeah, <laughs> so I got to keep going. But uh, yeah, the guys we, we saw we saw Tyson Fury do this against Deontay Wilder in their first fight. <laughs> Everyone thought that Tyson Fury was zoned out and like by the fifth count, he's up and he's like, oh, OK, I'm normal again. <laughs> now, obviously, in MMA, you wouldn't get that chance. It's, it doesn't work that way. There's no her's not going to stand over him and start counting. No, but uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a tough thing. It's it's cage fighting. This is what people say. It's cage fighting. And it really is. It's it, this is, I think, just an unfortunate situation uh, that happened. But yeah, not to take anything away from Lewis. Fantastic win. Oh, yeah, and it really win. puts him in a position where, I, I mean, I don't know about you. Look, he's not going to get the next shot because he's going to John Jones. But, you know, who knows? Maybe he's on, you know, call for something happens or anything like that. But I have to say, you know what fight really intrigues me at heavyweight right now? Go with it. Derek Lewis against Stipe Miocic. And I don't care, belt regardless. I don't care about the fact that it should be a title shot. I just think that would be an interesting fight. Yeah, that should be. I mean, they haven't fought yet. And we've already seen in mm-hmm. Ghana versus Lewis, and that was one of the worst fights in heavyweight history. It can't be. It can't be as worse uh, the second time. I don't think it would play out anything like that the second time. Well, I hope not. I, it, <laughs> it truly can't be as bad as that. <laughs> so I, 
I have to think it's not going to go that way. Um, so I, I actually really do want to see that rematch. But no, seriously, though, just just think about like the the dynamic of Stipe against Derek Lewis here. I think is very interesting because Stipe obviously is a pretty well-rounded fighter. He's got good takedowns. He's got you know good striking. He's got some power. You know he, he can do a little bit of everything. He can go five rounds. You I, know we we know that. Um, and I think it would be interesting to see what Lewis could do because I think Lewis is takedown defense has gotten a lot better it seems like his cardio has gotten a lot better he told me that after he had his knee surgery uh you know a year or two ago which he described it as his legs weren't like the same length oh interesting this is what he was telling me he said that like the surgery ended up making it so that his knees his like i guess there was something with his knee that now they're the same length so it doesn't have a problem anymore and it doesn't hurt his back anymore Maybe maybe like his hips were un- misaligned, and or his I knee, don't know. I, got, I don't have the exact quote on me. I didn't. I actually. I mean, I still have hmm. it on a recording, but I. I definitely. Uh, I probably should have shared that. I don't know. I'm a terrible reporter. Maybe. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, I. I just. I wrote my story the way I did, and I was like, oh, you know, some of that stuff I just kind of left in the can. But it, it is interesting that what he said about the fact that fixing his knee essentially this this is the takeaway fixing his knee fixed his back. That's what he okay. essentially said. I could see that. And he's, you know, the back was such an issue because they basically, he would tell him, he told me that he would stand there and standing was the worst position for him. Mm-hmm. So he'd rather just be lying down, which obviously, him being a stand up striker, it's kind of tough. So some oh, days, yeah. like, you know, it just depends how he is when he gets in the cage about it. But he seems like he's been a lot better since then. So I would really like to see what Lewis could do against Steve Miocic. I don't know that Derek Lewis isn't the best heavyweight in the world right now. Yeah, I, I I would imagine Stipe would have some kind of strategy similar to his fight with Ngannou the first first time. Uh, but yeah, who I mean, knows I would if he think can get so, him down? Uh, there's a real equalizer here because Ngannou was you know not as experienced in the sport. He never really met the type of resistance that mm-hmm. he was going to get from someone like Miocic. Whereas Derek Lewis has been through it. He's a vet. Yeah, he's much more seasoned. You know? So. So yeah, that's an interesting I would be matchup. To see that. I don't care if there's a belt on the line. I just want to see those two go at it at some point. I don't care how. Just do it. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of probably going to be that because you got Jones is taking on the winner, yeah. and so if if Ngannou does win, then it's Jones and Ngannou, and then you would get Stipe versus. Well, you could. Uh, I don't those, know if we will. I think. You, but I would. I would. Well. I would say if that's let, let's say Stipe does lose to Ngannou in the rematch, I think yeah, it would it would be it would make perfect sense to do the scenario you said, and I would look forward to that. Yeah, and then, we'll see. Heavyweight's more interesting than it's been in it's, a while. It's, it's picking up some pace, especially with the up and comers. Those guys look absolutely. Look fun, I, so. I love these these prospects too. Yeah, that so, we, yeah, some of which we got to see over the weekend. It's probably some of the best. It's probably the best that, at divisions has been in, in a long time. Definitely, I, I would agree. It's it's much healthier. Um, <laughs> the older being fed to the young, basically, <laughs> which is <laughs> really you know it's the way it is. It's the fight game, yeah. but it, it's it's helping to create some new interesting players on the come up, you know, the guys like who we're going to see next weekend with Cyril gain and, and mm-hmm. Jarzinho Rosenstrike. you know, these are guys, they're not, they're not young, but they're certainly not old. They're, they're kind of new on the scene. And, and I think guys that we're going to see for a little while, guys like Tom Aspinall, who just won Chris Dawkins, who just won. Mm-hmm. Those two are on a collision course for each other. I hope they keep them apart a little uh, longer. That, that they're all, like, I think there's other things they can. There's a lot of things that they can do at heavyweight that don't involve those two seeing each other yet. It, I don't know. Heavyweight's very interesting. I we can. I think we can leave it at that, right? Yeah, for sure. Why don't Why don't we jump into yeah. 
the contested rounds. Yes, contested rounds. And, you know, we've got a couple fights with some interesting scores, but I think the one we have to lead off with is the co-main event of Saturday, which was Yana Kunitskaya getting the unanimous nod, all 29-28s across the board over Ketlin Vieira. Now, it didn't necessarily look like a fight on the surface where we would be talking about it. You, you think, oh, 29-28 across the board. We've seen this before. Uh, it's, you know, pretty typical. And then we get the scores, and it turns out that one of the three judges, in this case, Eric Cologne, varied on two rounds, which is why he ended up with the same score, but got there a different path than Sal D'Amato and Junichiro Camillo did. So mm-hmm. let's dive into round one, which was the first of those two, Dan. What yeah. happened? I mean, Vieira, good grappling. I mean, was it effective offense? Not really. She, mm, she really yeah. didn't do that much in the top. And, and Knitskaya just landed really good knees when they were in the clinch. I thought those were solid. And then when she was on the ground, she was the one that was offensive. She was the one throwing all the strikes. And it seemed like Vieira was trying to pass, but she never really was able to. And if she did, it was for very brief. And she never really did anything from the top. Yeah, Vieira was not offensive-minded in almost any way other than uh, uh, trying to pass. Like it, It's almost like she was trying to win on you know grappling points um, mm-hmm. in a jiu-jitsu competition, and that's obviously not going to cut it here. That's not the way it works. Right. Having said that, I watched this the first time, and I did think Vieira won that round. And watching it again a second time today, especially because, again, you know we had a, a variation here with, with their clone being the out-judge, I think Cologne got it right. I think he nailed this one in mm-hmm. giving it to Kunitskaya because, yeah, effective striking and effective grappling. Yep. I don't know how effective the grappling was, but the striking was pretty effective. Yeah, I was on the fence. I, oh, I originally scored it for Vieira, but I was I was very close to pulling the trigger live for Kunitskaya. I didn't. Uh, on rewatch, I did. And I, okay. I think you're right. Yeah, I yeah. Think... So so you and I both switched then. We were both yeah. on, on Vieira, and then we switched over to Kunitskaya. So you know what that means. Uh-oh. It's a couchside override. <laughs> yeah, so we saw so with Eric Cologne on this one. Yeah, we're we're agreeing with Eric on this one, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, Jersey I, I strong got it right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Round two, everyone everyone saw this one for Kunitskaya. It's it's not even a debate. Everyone in the world saw this one that way. So that one was not uh, a tough one. But let's go to round three, and before we actually do. I have to point out what Bisping said at the very beginning of this round uh, is, is he said, and this is a quote, I don't see how anyone can make a case for it being anything other than one round apiece, which, you know, initially when I heard that, it made sense to me because that's how I scored it. And then five seconds later, the UFC broadcast puts up this graphic, which outlines this total strikes. Vieira, round one, five. Kuneskaya, round one. 64. <laughs> so I'm going to say there's at least someone involved in the UFC broadcast team who made a case for Kunitska. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, so let's let's talk about round three, though. This was a, a strange round, right, Dan? This was a, a very interesting round because a, Vera got on top and she actually did advance her position. But again, once she yeah. got to her position, she never really attacked a sub that was anywhere close to, to being locked in or, or, or close at all to being uh, effective. And I would say she got close to getting it locked in when she went for that arm triangle. She didn't actually get it locked in. So I, I still don't really, you can't give it that much weight, uh, especially in hindsight. Um, 
because again, I, I should say before off the bat, I first saw this one for Vieira, uh, which okay. is the same way Eric Cologne did. Okay, I I, st- I I stuck to my guns. I had ten nine Kuniskaya both times I watched it. Uh, but why? But yeah, it's, again, we should outline exactly yeah, why. Though. Exactly. You know, so why? What, what happened here? So you know, I'm, I'm I love the grappling. I'm heavy on the grappling, but Vieira just when she got the position, she didn't do anything with it. Maybe if she just yeah. threw some strikes to make it. Yeah, she she was like just. Bit. It's almost like she didn't want to throw. It's, or it do was, anything. Like there maybe, was no risks involved. She taught the most conservative fight. Right, very conservative, just holding position. And you don't win on holding the position. I mean, you can score that she got there. She made the advancements. But mm-hmm. Kunitsky, even having her back taken, she was landing some decent punches. Yeah, it was so. hilarious how, how like hard she was able to land these strikes. And she was never going to knock out Vieira, but she also wasn't really in danger. It, this, this reminds me of a fight that happened on Tough. I forget who the two fighters were. But someone had someone's back for almost the entire round, and the guy came out just a bloody mess on his face. Okay, and I, I forget what it was, but it was, it was a very interesting round. All right, yeah, um, I don't remember this at all. I also don't yeah, like tough. You don't like tough, I know. But no, tough. So, but then to close the round out, Kuniskaya reverses. She's in guard, and she just starts dropping the biggest strikes of probably the entire fight. Oh yeah, right definitely. There. there one in particular landed really hard. It was, a, I think, it was an elbow, right? Big elbows, uh, bouncing her head to, off to, the, like off the side the of her head, right? On the, I think yeah. it was on the right side of her head, kind of near the temple. Yeah, her. I mean, she got up and she was her whole one side of her face was just a bloody mess. Really busted open, and hilariously, if you really, if you look at the timestamps and everything, she Kuniskaya finally reverses the position. There's only like 20-ish seconds left, and she doesn't really start unloading until there's about 12 seconds left mm-hmm. in the fight. So really, you're giving – you're saying to – you have to start at the premise that Kunitskaya, other than what she was landing with her back taken, did almost all of her work in the last 13-ish seconds of the fight. And there's an argument to be made that Kunitskaya won that round. Two judges saw it that way. D'Amato and Camillo, you saw it that way. And mm-hmm. I switched, and I went that way too. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to go. Uh, I think that's the effective offense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, In hindsight, again, hindsight uh, being what it is, because you yeah. know judges don't get that. So Eric Colon was also was the dissenting judge in this round, but he was he was the uh, judge in the white corner, which was across the ring from it. So he might have had a bad angle. Maybe he didn't really think the strikes at the end from Kuniskaya were that strong. He might be Perhaps. watching on the. So um, he could also be watching on the screen at that point too. Yeah, that's true. But I don't want to make excuses or, or say what was happening for certain. I'm just saying, you know, he was on no, the opposite it's side of the cage. Well, so I don't know, but I, I but definitely yeah, thought I, I don't think. Won. Hey, like I said, I watched it the first time, and and I thought Vieira took it. I I guess I just didn't weigh that end flurry enough, and and probably didn't weigh the the strike she was landing enough. And I I'm probably thinking to myself, okay. These attempts are actually looking pretty good. Maybe I'm just not paying attention. You know, I am sitting at home. There's distractions that happen. Right. It's not the same. You know, we are, as as I point out all the time, you and I are amateurs. We've not actually been trained. So when we talk about this, we are not authorities on it, but we've spoken to authorities and we do our best to uh, interpret that and, and put it forward. But we know what we are. Yeah. We're the couch side judges. We judge from our couch. We are the couch side judges. (laughs) <laughs> Although I'm in a chair when I watch these days because I'm I'm in my basement in my little office instead of the couch and I miss it. Oh, I'm in a recliner. Ah, uh, <laughs> lucky. I gotta get a better chair. Yeah, I think that you know we've exhausted this one. This was an interesting fight to score, nonetheless. I th- I think it's it's one that I feel like will be a, a fight that, especially the third round. I feel like this is a round that 
judges will be trained on. I think they'll they'll have to be like, okay, who won this round? I I can imagine Big John in the command course putting this up for people and saying, who won this round? That very interesting. I I, I do want to point out. I don't know if you got this this opinion or this uh, feeling, but on Twitter there there was a lot of debate on this, but it didn't feel like it was heated. Like uh, and like everyone was just truly debating it, trying to figure out how it got scored. Nothing, nothing really negative was coming out. Interesting observation. Yeah, I mean. There's always a troll or two or oh, yeah, 20 of course. out there. But yeah, I think on the whole, it was it was generally a lot of like, and I think it probably helped that the person who did the most damage ended up winning. It made it easier for people yeah. to swallow that. I feel like if it went the other way, people would not have been as happy, even though I think there's still a case to be made. Mm-hmm. And and all the you know stuff Bisping said, a lot of it, not all that correct, but he, I think he did say some at the end of this fight that was, you know, they do score on damage, not on control. So. I think he mentioned. I think he this said thing's a mixed bag. That. Yeah, I feel like he he almost seems like he's really trying to do better <laughs> and to inform. And maybe he's had conversations in private. I don't know. Um, so there seems like almost like an effort to to do the right thing. But then sometimes he says things that are just like the wrong thing. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm but I think he's that, just. Yeah. I think he's one of those people who's kind of just prone to hyperbole. So he'll say things like, "There's no way. You know, it can only be <laughs> one way or the other way." <laughs> And it's just less nuanced, but you know, I, I do, I sense what it feels like he might be trying to do. So I have respect for that, but also gotta be careful. We can't, we can't be misinforming uh, everybody. And that's, you know, something I try to be cognizant of too. I, I'm always kind of wondering and, and try to couch it and say like, listen, I, this is what I think I know, yeah. but you know, we're not, like I said, we're not trained judges. At least he stopped trying to coach fighters in the fight. Knowing, knowing <laughs> that know, he actually did. There was, I can't remember the actual uh, incident, but I feel like something like that did actually happen on Saturday. Like, I feel uh, he's not, I think he, he might have said like something about like good job to somebody. Well, like, I feel he's not as aware, or he, he's like, remember early on when he's aware that the fighters can hear his com- conversations? So he kind of like interjected himself into it. Yeah, but, he might, he might have, he might be better with I that. Think he probably he's, was, yeah. Uh, either suggested to him to scale back or he decided on his own, like, Hey, yeah. maybe I shouldn't be yeah. getting involved. You know, <laughs> who knows? But anyway, that was, that was it for our, our, you know, our main course, I guess, for the show main event. Uh, but we'll work, you know, in reverse here, we'll go back down. We've got a couple of rounds for the 10, eight watch, you know, debated rounds of whether it was a 10, eight or 10, nine amongst the judges. So let's start with the Phil Haas over Nasser Dean majority decision, which means there was a draw, scored yeah. here 29 28 by two and then 28 all so round three is where we actually had the variance here with junichiro kamijo giving the 10 8 to imavov after he had lost the first two rounds and it was uh chris lee and mike bell who gave this one a 10 9 i gave it the 10 9 i didn't get the chance to rewatch this but what did you think i scored at 10 8 uh both times that i watched it i scored a 10 okay. 8 live so i had the same score as kamijo 28 28 uh, and I still have that score. I, I thought Hawes in in the third round he was pretty tired, and he kind of was trying to run out the clock. He didn't really do much offense, so that helped. Yeah, he was in a lot of trouble. Uh, he really just would push uh, Imavov against the fence, and anytime Imavov got a shot uh, to break, he would land a decent shot, and he landed some big ones that rocked Hawes. And especially towards the end of the end of the uh, round two, he hit him with some more big ones. So he got rocked twice in that round. I thought there was a, a decent amount of diminishing blows. Uh, Coupled with Hawes' lack of offense for me to go 10 8. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I'm I'm not, you know, again, especially because I didn't get to rewatch this uh and and give it more thought and and, and uh analysis, but yeah, I think I was toying with the idea of going a 108 as well and I just didn't quite go there. Yeah, I mean it's fine. I mean, it's not like you scored this round for Hall, so No, but I did <laughs> see someone who did on Twitter. I forget who, oh. and I won't call them out because that that would almost be mean, but All right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, that was uh I, I almost think that they just meant to say something else. Like, uh, that's why I don't want to put them on blast. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That was, there is no, there's no defense. No. For Haas winning that. No. Round. Not, not even a little bit. That, that would be like an immediate, you know, you should probably not be licensed to judge fights. Anymore. But uh, unless you have a total uh, misunderstanding of the criteria. Well, there's that's also it. that. So. But, <laughs> I mean, I don't think you can watch that round and think that. <laughs> anything forget forget criteria you he just, had the octagon could, control my mother could walk in and be like oh that guy's not doing so well <laughs> i feel like that is if if you can get a random person to come into the room and they can utter those words in that way you know that at least the other person definitely won the round yeah sure there's like it's like the, it's like the noob test you know <laughs> that's i don't when i watch when i rewatch fights and, and someone joins me and they're like oh man this guy's getting beat down I'm like, all right. I mean, I don't think he's getting beat down, but we'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, it, it's kind of clarifying it for me a little bit, I guess. Uh, don't let other people influence know. you, Dan. Oh, no, Who are you? No, I just like, I just like to hear their opinions <laughs> on re- and reasons why. Like, when I watch fights with my dad and someone starts bleeding, he just wants to fight mm. over, end it. It's <laughs> over. <laughs> totally averse to blood, huh? Yep. Just any right. any blood. So he, he would like that first blood match uh, between Kane and Stone Cold. Exactly. Right? Once you bleed, go, you lose. go all the way back. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not there yet in my rewatch. I'm, I think I'm pretty close, actually. Okay. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, we, we'll we'll stick to UFC here. This is what we do. Um, you you actually did want to mention something about round two of this fight, though, right? Yeah. Which which was unanimously two, scored across the board. Yeah, I agreed with the judges. I thought Hawes won this one. A lot of uh people on Twitter thought Imabov was going to win this one. I did. But mainly, mainly the he has one good spurt of offenses, and I don't think Hawes was actually as hurt. At, as bad as he as it may have appeared and it's so, very likely that was the reasoning why the judges uh went that way as well i again i wish i had the time to watch this round again uh and and try to understand why personally why it was scored that way instead of the other way but hey it is it, what it is i don't think anyone's really arguing with the way it went it was a lot of s- similarities to Vieira getting the top position except hall's actually tried to be offensive and was offensive okay so it's pretty pretty much that kind of around with offense. Yeah, fair, fair enough. The other round we had for the 10-8 watch, though, is Derek Minner getting the unanimous nod over Charles Rosa. And this one had three different scores, 30-26, 30-27, and 29-27. But we're going to start with just the round two score, uh, which was the 10-8 debate here. Minner got a 10-9 from Rick Winter, but a 10-8 score was given out by Bell and Lee, who were the ones in our previous fight that gave the 10-9 to Imabov. Yeah, I, I I thought this was kind of a textbook 10-8. I, I thought Minner checked all three Ds to some extent. He dropped some early in the round, and he was really dominant on the ground as far as keeping Rosa on the defensive. I mean, at the end of the round, Rosa had a decent arm bar, but nothing that I think would have prevented him from getting a 10 you know, nothing that would have made him get, go up to 10-9 from a 10-8 there. Especially a couple of Minner's uh, really, really, really good arm triangle. I think I think it's a 10-8. I, 
I think the reason why I stuck with the 10-9 had more to do with the fact that, like you said, there was the, you know, the attacks coming from Rosa. And then, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it can't be a 10-8, like you're saying, and like two judges are saying. Um, but that, when I was watching it, my interpretation of it was that I didn't think it was best to go for the 10-8 score in this one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Rosa. But, definitely hey, was... I mean, if you want to call this a ten eight, like I say all the time, I want more ten eights. So yeah, for sure. I I think if you're telling me this is what can be a ten eight, good, that's fine. Yeah, that this this whole fight had the same feeling as when Rosa fought uh, Bryce Mitchell. Yeah, it did. That's the weird thing is I don't think Rosa is that bad a grappler. It's just he no, seems he's to a be very get, good get matched up against these really good grapplers. He's a black belt. He's <laughs> very such, good. Like a different league. Like yeah, there's black belts and there's black belts. Like yeah, this so I don't. The guy's very tough and in in Brazilian, very tough to finish him. I would think on the ground anyway. Seems to be. He's lasted this long against yeah. two tough grapplers. <laughs> but then there was another round. As we get into lightning rounds here, we'll go a little quicker because these are rounds that really didn't impact the outcome of the fight. Round three of Minerosa. This was a round that was split among the judges. Uh, Mike Bell and Rick Winter. They saw this for Minner. I also saw it for Minner, and Chris Lee saw it for Rosa. What did you see? I saw it for Rosa uh, on both watch. Okay. I I thought Minner, any reason? It was kind of similar to round two. Minner Minner was the top, you know, grappler. He was on top. Uh, landed some decent ground and pound. He even opened up a cut. But he, in the grappling department, this where Rosa was a lot better. I thought he was attacking good subs. And right at the end of the round, he's stuck in a twister position. He knows it's going to get. He he knows that's what uh, Minner's looking for. Same thing Price Mitchell was looking for. And he just was bombing them with elbows to end that round for like the last 15 seconds. And yeah, I think, I think that uh, just to interrupt you real quick, I just want to say, I think it was pro- like I could have seen a way for Rosa taking that round, especially at the end. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. So th- that's why I went that way. I didn't think Minner's ground and pound was better in that sense. So I, I thought Rosa had the better effect of grappling and striking uh, for that round. Sure. Yeah, no, fair case. I, I have no problem with this going, you know, split. It didn't, again, round three, we, whenever we talk about round three is like this, it's like, it doesn't matter. Right. You want to get it right, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Fight was, the, we already know who's going to win. <laughs> and then, the... I, and look, if I was a judge, if I was in the chair for real, I would treat every round like it mattered. But of course. in the grand scheme, at the end of the day, you look at it, don't matter. Yeah, right. And we got one more. And the other round that we had split. Oh, sorry. Did you have one more thing you want to say about that? No, one? I was just getting on to that next fight. All right on. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the final round we have is uh, from earlier in the night. Jared Gordon, he got a unanimous nod over Danny Chavez, 30-27 times two and a 29-28. So it was round one that was split here, right? Yeah, a really competitive round. Uh, I ended up scoring it for Gordon. I could totally see a case for Chavez. Uh, I think the difference was Gordon's leg kicks. He had a, a few more. They're pretty solid. To put it over for me. Yeah, close round. I don't have uh, a strong opinion on it one way or the other, so All right. no problem here. <laughs> but we did have a ton of finishes. Yes, we did. Which it was... led... <laughs> it, for about half the night, it looked like the judges could just go home. Yeah, and, and I thought you jinxed them at one point. I don't think I jinxed them. <laughs> I thought you did. I, 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 well, I, I mean, you know, it's like it the, sort of looked like I did like, because then we started having at least one decision, but then no, it didn't go that way. Like we're pitching a Leave perfect. Me alone. We're pitching a I perfect game. I don't have game. that kind of power, sir. I don't know. We're pitching a perfect game, and then you go down and talk to the guy in the in the dugout between innings. So what if it, you think I have some sort of supernatural power to create <laughs> or dissipate when fights go the distance or don't? 
I mean, you should probably find a better way for me to utilize that. All right. Well, don't let them go to the distance. Well, <laughs> give us more finishes. Yeah, we did have eight finishes. There was one sub, seven TKO or KO. Uh, what was your favorite, other than Derek Lewis? Because honestly, for me, it was Lewis. But I, I think we can, since we exhausted that subject, we can highlight some of the other ones, right? Right. So there was only one sub on here. And, you know, you think I'd pick the sub, which, yeah, which was really cool. I mean, it was kind of like Arlovsky got stuck in a rear naked show. because like, uh-oh, guess the fight's over. Tap out. And then Tom Aspinall just, yeah. Yeah, but that was not my favorite. My okay. favorite was Casey O'Neill finishing Shayna Dobson. This should be shown to every fighter on how you go for it. This round was just relentless, a beatdown. Second round after she won the yeah. first. Well on her way to a 10-8. And finally the ref steps in and stops it. I thought that was awesome. And uh, runner-up was Dawkus just unloading on a Linux. But what do you have for a favorite? Well, two things I want to react off of the, the fights you said. One, Shauna Dobson, it, it seems like she's in a lot of these fights where she's just getting completely dominated on the ground. She she obviously came back and won her last fight. It was one of the biggest upsets in UFC history, but this is the pattern we've seen from Shauna Dobson. It's unfortunate, but you know, I'm starting to think maybe she's just not really a UFC caliber uh, flyweight fighter. Maybe, maybe Invicta is a better place for her to develop her skills. Um, and then on uh, as far as the Olenek fight, I don't know what you thought. I mean, kudos to Chris Dawkins, but I thought when Herb Dean says, you know, fight back, talking to Olenek, there's no point where Olenek fights back. But that goes a lot longer than it really ought to. Yeah, that was uh, he, he gave Olenek every chance he had and maybe a little yeah, bit know. long of a leash. But hey, it's he did you know, step in. Old, the second... He's an old school fighter who's been fighting for, what, 25 years now, Olenek. I think he, he might have fought in like 1996. So I get it. You want to give maybe a a veteran like that, a longer leash, but he's also 43. So maybe yeah. you don't want to give him a longer leash. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, judgment calls are tough and, and I don't want to crucify Herb Dean, but yeah. you know, when you had people calling him out for the, you know, the stoppage or being out of position potentially uh, in the main event, which I, I think everything was fine. This is the one where I actually, I'm like, I don't know, man could have stepped in. I, I think he could have stepped in, but I also want to defend him a little bit. A lot of the shots weren't landing pure. A lot, a lot of them, and Linick wasn't given that reaction like he was out. But then once that, the very first one that Dawkins landed that was completely clean, and you saw Linick's head jerk back. Herb Dean was right there. He said, "Okay, that's it." So fair enough. Yeah, I mean that's okay. So yeah, but I mean Linick was definitely not fighting back or intelligently defending himself. So so what you're saying is give Herb Dean his flowers. Yeah, what's flowers? Right. What's that mean? Ah, oh, just it's it's kind of a way to say you know praise him. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it was it's something to crucify him over, like you said. Yeah, no, I, and I would agree. I I don't want to hang him out to dry. There's there's he takes a lot of flack. He's taken a lot of flack, especially in the last few years. And there's you know you could probably go back and and find some really harsh examples of where it's like, come on, man, why didn't you step in? But this one doesn't quite rank up there. But I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. But what was your uh, your top finish? Oh, my favorite finish was uh, Julian Arosa. He yeah, that flying knee TKO yep. of. Nate Landwehr and this was a stoppage where there was almost like a oh was he really out or not yes he definitely goes out Landwehr is out for a moment I think yeah and that's all you need you can cross that bridge and then it can be stopped it doesn't matter if you come back over the bridge once you crossed it that is when it can be stopped yeah it's there's nothing wrong with that thought that stoppage was was perfectly fine who was the ref in that one actually I I I didn't take note Uh, of that I'll get that for you I want to say oh, Jason yeah. Herzog or, or Mark Smith, but I'm not 100% sure. Oh, uh, it was Mark Smith. Okay. 
Yeah, I thought that was a good stoppage. Yeah, excellent stoppage by by Mark Smith. Uh, honestly, he has been the most impressive official that we I think you and I have been able to kind of find as a revelation in the last year or so. Listen, he, since they've been doing all these fights in Vegas, he's an impressive individual all around. The man is a pilot. That is, and was part of the Thunderbirds. He was in the Air Force and all this craziness. I, I just find it completely fascinating. And now he's an MMA ref. He's one of the best. And kudos to him. So you're going to give him his flowers too? Yeah. Really? Everyone? Because we even had it, every round that was turned in. I think there was four total descents in this entire card. Okay, all the judges did great. No, I say it was a, well, they had less to do. We pointed well, that out. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that, <laughs> not not trying to knock it. I'm just saying there was less opportunity. It is. It is for funny. Descent, but, I, but on the whole, yeah, no, I, I think this was good judging. I don't think there was any round that you and I kind of dissected where it was like, gee, I don't know about this one. Everything yeah. made enough sense. Sure. So Sal D'Amato was the busiest. Him and Mike Bell were the busiest. Uh, but Sal D'Amato did six fights and he only had to turn in six rounds. <laughs> so, I mean, that, Light work from D'Amato. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, he did. Get him a sandwich. Dave just, go, just go grab a sandwich. Dave Hagen did three fights and only turned in one round. <laughs> so that, Dave Hagen. He, he might as well have taken a nap. The fighters were helping out. Yeah, yeah. And that's all we have for this one. Dan and I will be back again on Friday as usual. Uh, we don't have anything big in the works, but I'm sure we, you know, we'll probably have like a past judgment that we can go back to. We'll talk about, of course, this coming weekend's fights, right? Yeah, definitely this weekend. Another uh, heavyweight headliner. And I'm pretty excited for this one. I like it, too. Uh, I'm supposed to be speaking to them uh, on Tuesday, so that'll be interesting to, to get to know these, these uh, individuals. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. We'll be